There is so much uncertainty right now, but my guest this week left me far more inspired and refreshed than usual. For many of us, this pastime under quarantine or furloughed, and in other cases unemployed, throughout all of this loneliness and isolation, we are still in love with community. We're desperate for it. And for my guest this week, as I was re-listening, I realized we didn't really talk about clothes at all. You didn't hear us mention a signature piece or anything like that, because we talked about the only thing that's really important, and that's going to get us through all of this. Community. Okay, and maybe a little bit of his self-described happy clothing. My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. My guest this week is Oliver Spencer, designer and co-founder of Favorbrook and his eponymous brand, Oliver Spencer. Ollie and I discuss opening his first store in a recession, what it takes to build a brand, dressing creatives, and why creating personal connections and building community will determine which retailers survive and thrive. But Mr. Oliver Spencer... You are you. You're the man. You you are the legend. Like I'm sitting before you. This is this is re- this is really special. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Um, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm just uh, I'm just really kind of uh, loving what I do, how I do it, um, how we started, where we are now. It's all very organic. Um, it's just me. Um, I've got the same business partner I've had for the last twenty five years. Are you serious? Yeah, she's she's uh, 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 actually she started life as as my girlfriend. Oh, okay, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, and um, we sort of uh, kind of agreed that that wouldn't work, but agreed that we'd stay in business. And, we're, and it's been it's been fantastic. And it, it, in a way, it's uh, that's about the organic way to which we've grown our business as well. We, we're kind of a, a business that um, uh, we don't go looking for things, we pick up things along the way, and if they feel like a very natural fit, then yeah, then that works. Well, your, your brand is, is a brand that, that, and I mean this in the best possible way, it's a brand that looks different on different people. It's not like one of these sort of head-to-toe, you know, this is our look and this is our aesthetic, and it, because, but in a way, I think your brand's really, really welcoming, and it's very e- exciting and enticing. And you can take little pieces from here and there and build your own wardrobe and life. Versus, look like a, I don't know, like a carbon copy stick figure for someone. Yeah, sure. Look like <laughs> look like one of the adverts. Right. Uh, uh, there you sure, go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Well, I've always been a firm believer. I mean, I'm I'm a massive fan of other brands. So yeah. You know, why the hell would you just wear Oliver Spencer when there's so much great clothing out there? So you could, uh, you know, you can put on an Oliver Spencer shirt and have a, um, I don't know, you could have a Keaton blazer over the top with um, a pair of, um, I don't know, 45 RPM jeans underneath. And that's okay with you. I mean, that's good with me. I'm, I'm listen, we're, we've never been about, we've never been about dictating a look. Yeah. Um, for me, it's, uh, for me, it's, um, uh, it's all about having the right footprint um, and um, making clothing in what I would describe as happy clothing. It's clothing that's generally made with love, oh. and I really get into that. That that that's 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 very important. And the, the manufacturing and the sourcing of of how we do things is uh, is is very very important. Um, well, let's let's jump back real quick because yeah. you know I mean the brand you'd said it's what over twenty five years old now, right? 
Well, it's not, but I obviously am. Um, <laughs> it's kind of uh, so. Oliver Spencer, I think, is seventeen years old. Okay, but I, but I have other brands as well. And oh. my the original brand is a brand called Favorbrook. And um, we have three stores there. So I started Favorbrook on a on a with uh, with with the help of Marina actually on a, on a market stall in Portobello Road, really. Okay. And um, that that it, so I went to art school for a bit, and um, then I went to Portobello Road, which is really a just don't tell my children this, but it's about the best education you can ever get in life, um, especially back then. You uh, mean the the sort of like. Learning on learning on the on the trade, learning on the go type stuff. Le- certainly, learning on the go. Yeah, and yeah. it's just um, it's the school of life down there, um, and full of wonderful characters, and full of not so wonderful characters as well, <laughs> which is just fantastic too. I mean, you used to find yourself with uh, with all types of uh, with all types of people in front of you uh, from sort of 4:30 on in the morning and and some of them may not have been to bed that night but you were just down there and you were doing your thing you, you used to have to turn up actually and you probably well actually I know you do you, you still do I have a store around the corner from Portobello Road so you turn up at 4:30 and you buy your ticket and you get your wheelbarrow and you go and stand on your stand and you sell what you've got and right then I was selling secondhand clothing so this was kind of like uh, like in America, you'd call it like a flea market or a yeah, street sure. This market. Is, or... This was all while I was at, at art school. Right. So I was doing art school, um, which I kind of liked, although I found it <laughs> quite um, limiting mm. uh, creatively. Uh, so I was doing that, and then um, I was busy reading in the paper looking up for – you know, uh, looking at obituaries to see who died because if they were, if it was, if it, if it was a cool guy, and I could, uh, I could do my research on that person. Chances are, he'd have an amazing wardrobe. Oh, okay. Uh, and, so and, you're not uh, looking for their apartment. You're looking for their their nah, stuff. Wasn't, that they left. wasn't interested in that. I was, <laughs> I was interested in their Anderson and Shepherd suits and their uh, um, military overcoats. Um, Oh, um, yeah, all of that stuff. I mean, that stuff was absolutely wonderful. We, yeah, we used to we used to go down and buy buy house sales, buy the clothing, and then sell the clothing on the market store. And that was great. That was great fun. And that led me to led me on to open my uh, first store, which was in ninety four. Okay. Yeah. So, so you- I was young. I was young, and it was a massive retail recession at that point in time. And I actually got given my first store free of rent for the first year. Really? Which is kind of a really interesting thing. So well, because, of, because of what you were adding to the community? Well, because the, the, on that particular street at the time, there were eight shops without anyone in them. Oh. Yeah. Right. Um, and actually, that may be something we'll talk about earlier on. I find in a weird way we've got back to that now. Oh yeah, yeah, you're damn right. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of. If you want your heart to break, just walk down Bleecker Street. I, I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm in a mess about London, and don't even get me started on New York. Yeah. I mean, I, I know uh, I'm married to a New Yorker. I've spent lots of time with my kids are born in New York, and I love New York. And what's got what the landlords have done to New York is can only be described as being a crying shame. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they realize what they've done to communities. No, and you're absolutely right. And I think 
it's interesting that, you know, when you were talking about how you'd kind of gotten given your rent for free for a year, that's starting to happen a little bit now, but it's in these weird ways where, you know, they kind of look at what you're going to add to the community and some of these places now, you know, I'll, I'll be somewhat cautious about my opinion, but some of these, you know, they're companies that just own the whole block. And so what they'll do is they'll just be like, well, hey, you know, because this person had to leave because they can't do business there anymore, they're letting all of these little, you know, brands kind of come in and, oh, you, this guy has six months left on his lease and we'll give it to you for pennies on the dollar. And, but something that's been happening now that landlords are really scared of is, and I, I say this because a, a close friend of mine was trying to get his store set up in Soho and they were worried that he was a, uh, like a online startup brand that was looking for a, you know, like a 30 day pop-up or some sort of holiday pop-up because that's some of the other enemies that have kind of popped in are these brands that they don't really want to have a store permanently. They just want to have a store for a week and, you know, and say, Hey, we have a retail store. But then when it comes to actually running that store, they're like, yeah, about that. We're out of here. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 listen, I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm very disappointed. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a shopkeeper. Yeah. Um, through and through, and um, my favourite places to be are on the factory floor or the shop floor. Mm. The bit in the middle, um, it's okay. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but, but you know, the factory floor is where you are, you're dealing with product and you're hands-on, and on the shop floor is where you're hands-on with the customer, and the customer's the most important thing. A lot of people have forgotten about that, and... Um, you know what I think that the, the the there are many many different scenarios breaking out at the moment, but more or lessly, what we need to concentrate on doing here is to getting back to a community and getting a high street that or or, or just a localized street full of independents that service the local community. So you know, I mean, if I'm sitting at home and my kids want to go out and buy a newspaper or get something from um, the food store or something. Right. Um, I'm just about, where I live in, in West London, I'm just about happy to let them do that because I know the stores are going to. But right. the problem has become, uh, the problem has occurred now that in many of these places, there just aren't those stores there anymore and the stores that aren't, there aren't great stores. And so, we, you know, we need um, a local pharmacy. We need a local butchers. We need, we need mm. this community around an area to set up um, our culture, yeah. our language. We need to be able to talk to one another. Okay. Instead of buried into our phones, right? Oh, well, I, I mean, don't, that's, don't, uh, <laughs> Sorry. for all you young kids out there, I am not old-fashioned, but you need to stop sending emails. One email's good, then pick up the phone and ask the question when you don't get an answer. Yeah. Well, I have a rule on that in the office. And it's, Do you? Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm fed up with people hiding behind emails. So, oh, hold on, what's your, we'll just sidebar real quick. What's your, your office rule for emails? Um, two. Okay. So I've just actually gone back on what I said. It's two, not one. It's okay. two. And if there's no answer, you pick up the phone. Interesting. And you uh, you get to the person, you ask them directly. Because people will say things in emails that they will never say in normal life. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's quite <laughs> astonishing, right? No, you're, it's, you're absolutely it's, right. It's, it's, so, so I'm very much about communicating. I like to think of, I'm hugely dyslexic. 
and mm. didn't couldn't write my address uh, at all in, until I was 17, and that took a lot. Um, and um, for me, being able to communicate um, is the most important thing. And, right. and I absolutely, I love the act of conversation, of storytelling. Storytelling is 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 the the most important thing. If you ask. I mean, I'm just a massive fan of TED Talks. Okay, that's just yeah. that's just amazing. Yeah, it is. It, to hear people's um, life stories is a fantastic thing, and um, uh, you can do that in the most amazing way through a shop. Um, bricks and mortar leads you to be able to to tell a story if you're yes. doing if you're doing it well, um, and um, I, I mean. The, the the whole concept of a of a website and selling clothing to people sat in their armchairs at home is an interesting one if you're doing a matches or a Mr. Porter. Um they're, they're telling stories around clothing. First and foremost, it's about telling a story to them. Mm. Secondly, it's about selling clothing. Yeah. Well, in, in most cases, yeah, it's like you, you have clothes or you're selling clothes that are so good all you need to do is tell yeah. the story. Like yeah. the, the clothing sells itself. Yeah. Uh, so my honest belief is that that is part and parcel of the story. But actually, when you walk into the shop, the shopkeeper could be—I mean, could be could be any number of shops. You, mm-hmm. it, it's so nice to have a personal relationship with that person. Yeah. G- good morning, Ollie. How are you? What, <laughs> what's going on today? I mean, some people might hate that, but but for me, it's a wonderful thing. I like to be able to walk into a store. The guy probably knows what I want. Yeah. He's probably like there going, okay, I've got this for you today. This is what's going on. I might just go in there and talk about the game. Might go in there and talk about sport. Might go in there and talk about my new favorite restaurant. Right. Which would be a, you know, which would be a tip. So, so it's a community place. Yeah. And I think that that's really, really important. I made that mistake <laughs> a lot when I was younger. So I worked at various retail stores, but I remember all the managers would be like, you can't just talk to people. You need to actually sell stuff. But, you know, at one point, you know, I had the the highest sales yeah, in the you company. Would. You would. You because would. people just wanted to come in and hang out with me. Yeah. And, and, you know, we would talk about everything. I learned about their kids. I learned about their dogs. I, yeah, I yeah, totally. Recommending movies. And, and weirdly now... One of uh, like my closest sort of advisors and, and friends for the show is a guy I met at the store when I was working, yeah, and he fantastic. just took a liking to me. Were you working at, uh, at Men's West Stores? Oh yeah, yeah. So I worked at a. Uh, Where did you work? <laughs> in the city? No, no. So well, first I worked for Banana Republic when yeah, I was sixteen. Sure, yeah. And then I got an opportunity to work for Louis Vuitton when they opened up their little accessories sort of Maybe, store, yeah. which was nice. Okay. You know, yeah, as like yeah. a 19-year-old kid working, or 18-year-old kid working there. I moved to New York and, um, you know, had a bunch of various jobs, but I eventually started working for the Armory in uh, Tribeca. And so me and two other guys, actually, I think one of them you know, Jeff Hilliard, yeah, yeah. Uh, we had opened the Armory together, yeah, yeah, another yeah. guy named Nick Ragasta. And that was really interesting because it was just us three selling extremely... Uh, Nice, luxurious, bespoke, yeah. and custom clothing, and yeah, my my you know sales tactic, if I could even air quote that, was just be friends with people. Yeah. And some of my closest friends were customers, 
um, they were just people who would come in and hang out with. I, I knew their dog. I remember <laughs> this this one couple. They came in. I think he's probably listening to this, and they they bathed their dog with Santa Maria Novella shampoo. No, way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, why, why wouldn't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I I remember I I saw their dog and I picked up their dog and I was like. Is this Sanrio Novella? And he was like, "Who are you?" I, I've got to admit, we have Aesop sh- dog shampoo at home, oh. which is which is not quite so. Well, it is. These it's days. up there. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. up there. It's really up. <laughs> I mean, I think that the whole this is so. People often ask me the question, um, "Why do you think re- some retailers are, are failing and other retailers are succeeding right yeah. now?" And I, and I and I say to them, "I'll give you a really honest approach to that." And this is God's honest truth here this is the example i use okay so you could um you could look at look at barney's and look at nordstrom okay. and i'll tell you the two differences in those stores one of them is unfortunately no longer with us due to I some mean, issues uh, yeah i mean uh, barney's to me back in the day what an, when the pressmans and when it was all the real deal mm-hmm. what a store yeah what a store full of Great shopkeepers, Tom Caladarian. Yeah, you, great you, guys. You, yeah. You, yeah, great people. You got you were you were properly you were properly educated, and you walked in there with a smile, and you left. Um, probably your wallet was a bit lighter, but you'd have had a great experience. <laughs> right, right. Um, but what they started then to do was just to dump clothing on rails in the store, mm-hmm. and uh, think that the brands could automatically sell themselves yeah without the right salespeople yeah and think that people would just come in there and just pick up a piece of clothing from somebody just because it was what it was mm-hmm. so basically no service and i think this got to a real point where i um where i sort of uh, i became so upset with barney's that we withdrew actually yeah, really? Uh, yeah, some time ago. This was a long time ago, four, four, sure. four, five, six years ago. I withdrew because my stuff looked just so appalling there, oh and boy. it was a, no T, no no TLC, but no brands were getting apart. I couldn't recommend it to everyone. Actually, apart from the accessories floor on, on the ground floor, which I thought was always kind of quite trad but mm-hmm. immaculate. Um, and uh, I said, I, in my humble opinion, they lost their way because they didn't invest in their staff. And if you don't invest in your staff, your business is not going to go forward. A business is nothing without staff, then product. Right. And um, so having spent time, um, and this is what really impressed me about Nordstrom, um, it's not necessarily the interior of the stores because the interior of the stores at Nordstrom are, are kind of fine. Sure. Um, they, they look okay. Um, but the shop staff, they're, on, they're just on another level. Interesting. I was absolutely – I have been blown away and I visited eight Nordstrom stores last year. Really? I was blown away by, by the staff on the shop floor. The, 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 I'd come in and I'd do shop floor tours. I, I spoke to 80 people in one day in Chicago. Uh, I mean, it was unbelievable. I was, I was, they, they'd probably been given a little bit of a heads up that I was coming in. Sure. They were absolutely asking me, uh, you know, they, they, they had it down. They'd done their research. But then spending time on the shop floor and watching them interact with the customers Right. I was totally blown away by this. I was totally blown away about the level of service and about the way um, 
how far they'd go to the to the extent that somebody would turn up with in a in a raincoat and a button would be falling out and they'd be like, hey, just give me that coat. Probably wasn't even bought from them. Took it backstage and would get it sewn back up, get the button put back on, and the coat was back on the guy. I mean, it's that type of level of service which I which I admire. Yeah. So so th- this is my thing. It, it's it's really all about the 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 personnel you employ. Um, the 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 people you work with on the shop floor, um, and and their professionalism and their level of service, uh, that those are the businesses of the future. Yeah, um, it's it's about caring. Yeah, and more and more now it's about delivering the right product. So I have very very little time for fast fashion <laughs> out of the east. I like I like slow. Sure. I like slow. It's slow and organic is really, really good. But organic done in the right way. With you, you have to properly resource stuff and sell. Just it's just genuine product. Just yeah. genuine great product. You, you struck a bit of a nerve with me just now in the sense that, and I say this because uh, I, yeah, I was talking about a friend of mine. I was like, yeah, he's getting ready to open his store. I'm really excited. And the person responded and, and they wrote, eh, too rich for my blood. And just as a side note, the product that this company sells is very affordable for the for the value, or maybe it's not affordable, right? Let's I'll just be honest. There's a lot of people who can't afford water, but like, it's for clothing. It is the whole concept of buying less but buying better, but also trying to understand what it takes to make your clothes. Yeah. And I responded to him and I was like, just so you know, the people that make those clothes have health insurance. They get paid a fair wage. They are in a factory and a location where they're treated. They treat properly. They get breaks there. It is a, they, the, the people, they know the names of the people that are making their clothes. Yeah. And, you know, cause when you said fast fashion, so much of that is like, especially for the gentleman that I was speaking with, he's buying his jeans at. Uh, feel bad, like Zara, right? Or or there's some place that is making clothing in the mindset that you're purchasing is, this is my clothing for the weekend, you know, because yeah, I'm going to yeah. dispose of it. Yeah, yeah. And so there's no real value that gets assigned to this stuff because you're like, well, do you know who made that? Do you know how they lived? Do you know if they can afford? So, like, So this is, this is the whole thing for me at the end of the day. I think that we need to... Uh, take a good look at ourselves in the mirror. We are we're the second biggest polluter as an industry in the world. Textile and clothing. Yeah, yeah, and there's some huge problems. So you you got to we've got to we've got to all walk out there and look at brands like Patagonia. I'm I'm happy to name check them as a hero brand. They are a great brand. And um, uh, you know they took the step of a B Corp and everything else. And I think that that was. Uh, an amazing thing for them to do. Um, Nudie Jeans is another one, mm. which does a, which does a, you know a really stand up job. We're we're sort of well, I would describe myself as being uh, about sixty percent through our through our journey mm-hmm. um, as far as uh, organically sourcing is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, our packaging is coming into line. We're about to launch a bag next year where we will we'll send out to the customer. And um, if the customer keeps the garment, he can then repackage up the bag, send it back to us, and we can use that bag another six times. Um, So that's going to be an amazing thing. Yeah. Um, So it's about making small steps. 
Um, yeah. It's not. It's not a. Uh, it's nothing more than caring about what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that people. Um, some people are going to take a good look at what they do, and 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 I think a, a little less profit and a bit a bit more love is a more important thing. Yeah, because I mean, you, you're you want to have another generation that can buy your clothes, right? <laughs> That's not what I'm always totally. saying. Actually, I want the next generation wearing my clothes. Yeah. <laughs> there so, you go. so there you go. So if, <laughs> if, I, if we really make it properly, um, then, we'll, then, we'll really, then we'll really get to it. Yeah. Well, so I just want to jump back. So you get, because what you said is really beautiful, but, you know, the, so much of this, I don't think you would have been able to be in this mindset now if it wasn't for the journey that you've been on as as a as a merchant as someone who kind of goes through all these iterations of a brand and building that brand and learning how to s- speak to the community who's buying your brand so to jump back you get a store that's kind of given to you and you're you know but what was it that that you learned from that that you took into what you've been doing now <laughs> I, le- I learned that I couldn't I couldn't even pay the 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 the, um, uh, the building rates at the time. <laughs> I mean, let alone the rent, let alone a member of staff. I mean, it was right. just so hard. I, I learned that the absolutely hard work, hard hardest fact of retailing full stop at the end of the year, I just had nothing left. There was nothing left for us at all. We we kind of uh, we were in a minus condition, and I learned that that. Um, the hardest thing of all is to build a brand from scratch. Yeah, and a brand from scratch is. Um, uh, so I have a friend who's not quite building a brand from scratch right now, but is starting a new era for that brand. So he's he's already a couple of steps up the ladder. Okay, um, and he's been in a, a different business. Uh, no, same business, but a different part of the business before. And he's gone to brand. And I sort of always think to myself, well, okay, so he's he's sort of we sit down and talk a lot about this. And and I always think to myself, well, you know what? You think it's a three year cycle? I don't. I think it's seven, and I even think it's ten. Um, I think that that actually. Building a brand is so phenomenally hard that um, uh, actually a great person that I, I think is 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 right up there at the moment. And uh, so I started Oliver Spencer at the same time a guy called Brendan started Noah right back in the day. Okay, right. and I think a few of you listeners will know him. Yeah, and know Noah, um, and um, we both started together, and. Um, he called it a day after a certain amount of time and went back to his day job, as he called it. Not he didn't call it that. I called it that. Sure. And um, he took uh, time out, worked for someone else, and he has now come back to it again. And he's coming at it. I presume I have. I've talked a bit with him, but not tons. But I presume he's coming back to it with a different type of mindset, and um, slowly, organically. Um, building a business and do you know what I'm super proud of what he's done and he's starting to build up this thing right now and he's getting great momentum from it um, to, to, to actually I mean when you're involved in building a brand um, I wouldn't 
say it's it's close as you're gonna. It's as personal and as close as you're gonna be as to having a child. Mm. If you're really in love with what you're doing, okay, and it's heartbreaking to see to watch the ups and downs of what's happening with the brand. Um, if you don't have that in you, then you maybe shouldn't be doing it. If you don't have that relationship with the brand, because it's going to stretch you so far, especially in the creative industry that we're in, right. um, it's very personal. And you you do things because you love it. Um, I, I don't just don't do it to make pure money. I do it because I love the people in my industry. I love the art of shopkeeping. I, I love the fact that, that Noah's up and going now and doing amazing stuff. And, you know, f- for me, I, I I find that I've watched my brand go. So we're, we're I think, what are we now? We're 22. So we're 18 years old. Oliver Spence is 18 year old, okay. 18 years old. And Favorbrook is now. Twenty-eight years old. It's favorite book. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that was the original brand, and and we have three stores in London, um, and it's very sartorial. It's very velvet jacketed. Ah. Uh, we dress. I mean, I've been dressing the Rolling Stones for years with this brand, um, oh, especially geez. Keith and and Ronnie and Charlie. Um, I work a lot with Mick, Mick Fleetwood. And, Holy! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got a good Rod Stewart. I mean, one of my greatest moments ever was Rod Stewart and Charlie Watts in the shop at the same time, what? which is just, just so cool. I'm like scrambling for the notes in my head of yeah, where I should no. have known this. So, so I'm just, fr- <laughs> I'm just throwing a few things at you. No, this is I, amazing. It's super dress-up stuff that you can wear on stage. Okay, um, you can wear to. Um, you know, I don't know, Daniel Craig wears it a lot. And I, I mean, it's a whole, it's very occasion wear, very glamorous. Yeah. Um, well, and that, and that, and that part of me, and that's how Oliver Spencer actually started because I was working a lot with all this. I mean, at the time, I was making waistcoats out of ecclesiastical flat, out of uh, cloth. From that's the right. Church. Four weddings and a funeral. Yeah, four weddings and a funeral. Okay. Was the, I mean, solely responsible for saving the business. Literally, if that hadn't come along, I'd have been toast. It was, it was not good. Um, so we kind of got into that world of dressing people up. There were people around like Scott Carolla at the time, mm. um, who's just kind of godlike. Um, not talked about much now because he's a furniture designer, so he's in a totally different world. But he's an incredible designer and certainly one of my heroes um um joe um casely hayford who sadly passed recently but was definitely a massive influence on me back at the time um always paul smith um because just paul smith was this um story telling um amazing um operator he he's uh, he's someone else who's just one of the world's great communicators mm. um, and and you know those people in the industry really gave me uh, a big push to get on with with life are you still at home are we slowly working our way outside What's your go-to at-home look these days or maybe you're past it maybe you're planning your post-quarantine fits. 
If you're looking for inspiration and more, it's all available on the Polo app from Ralph Lauren. Yes, Ralph Lauren has an app, and it's the best of men's polo in the palm of your hand, featuring an edit of the most important pieces of the season, plus the icons that never go out of style. There's features from recent Blamo guests such as Chris Black and Yolanda Edwards, Ralph Lauren himself's book and film recommendations, and drink recipes from the polo bar. By the way, I just made the round hill. Holy moly. It's more than a place to shop polo. It's Ralph Lauren's polo in the palm of your hand. Download the Polo app on the iOS App Store and Google Play. Looking for that link? Just click it in the show notes and let me know what you get. Download the Polo app on the iOS App Store and Google Play. Available in the US or UK. Because it's something about like fashion and brand building specifically, and it's, it's so personal. Like that, that's your well, name yeah. on your clothes. Yeah. I, I don't know always, to, to be really honest with you, and I think I, I just talked about that with the, like it's having a child. I don't actually always enjoy that it's my name on the clothes. Yeah. Um, Why is that? They, uh, just, uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened when we decided to do that, but we just did that. I mean, lots of brands, it feels right in a way. Sure. And lots of brands do do that, but I'm not um, in the slightest eager and it's like I understand well I don't look at it just just a bit it just feels just a bit odd I always refer to myself as Ollie yeah to take myself away from all of that Um, that's that's uh, fair and I I mean I don't look at it in in the egotistical sense I look at it you know like what you were saying especially like I mean as a father myself just the sacrifice that you make and the emotional roller coaster that you have to be on to just be committed to a brand because you know you're making these clothes and and it's your whole life's out there and you're putting it you're like this is me this is or or this is you know my my blood sweat and tears and my endurance and sometimes it hits and when it doesn't it feels awful um yes <laughs> yeah 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 totally and you know showing it uh, showing at London Fashion Week which is something I do every six months, although I took a season off this season for family reasons. Um, it, Yeah, you put, I mean, it's a great way. You get to end your design process with the show mm-hmm. that costs, I mean, eye-watering amounts of money. <laughs> and everybody sits in the audience. And, you know, um, I think that uh, I've done many. I mean, my, I've done many, many different shows. Mm-hmm. My my favorite, my favorite show by by a long, long way was when I had. So I'm a massive, uh, I'm a I'm a massive music guy. I love music, but I I managed to persuade. Um, uh, one thing I love is dub and uh, dub. Either, yeah, okay. and even further back than dub. We go, we get to all the reggae rocks and all of this sound. Yeah. And I managed to persuade John Bradbury, who was the drummer from the specials, who's a, I mean, a a, a, a kind of godlike figure right. um, in my mind. But, you know, I'm just a boy from Coventry and he was a boy from Coventry. So to, we met and we got on really well. And John came and set up the whole kit in the middle of the runway and did his reggae rocks dub thing all the way through the show. Jeez. Just blind, though. I mean, literally, without practice, just went out there and did it. And it was a total moment for me. It was just so good. 
And I, I was saying that, that when I do a show, I'm creating a moment. I'm never going out there to show these people clothing because mm. clothing is, for a lot of the time, the last thing they ever need to see. They've been out there. They've seen all these shows. They've seen... I don't know, um, Craig Green doing wonderful things. Um, I mean, you know, Dries and so on. I'm, I'm a massive fan of Dries, by the way. He's simply textile genius. And so so that's a, that's a good one for me. Um, but, but, but just create the moment. So when I got – so the other people I work a lot with uh, was um, – I got the the Gorilla's sound system to come and do the show for me as well, which oh, wow. was just just fantastic. So, so it's always about that moment, having a string quartet out there um, doing um, doing Love Will Tear Us Apart. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, all of those songs, but just juxtapose them, take them in different ways, put them into different perspectives. So creating this scene and this moment, um, the shows take a lot out of you. They're they're very you very much, you know, lay yourself bare. And they're and a show is what they're like eight minutes? Seven, it's eight, eight minutes? Eight, seven or eight minutes. Yeah. Um I've I've met people I'd have never dreamed of meeting mm. at the shows. Coming popping their heads back around the corner. Um just just Fantastic, um, you know. But I, I've also had the the dark side of the shows where you get a real, you get a real slating mm. for what you've done. Um, I, I have to say, I've been largely lucky, and I've done. I think I've done roughly twenty years of shows now. Uh, sorry, twenty shows, ten years of shows. Yeah. Um, so two years, forget that. And it's um, they come around very quickly. <laughs> and, <laughs> They're a lot of work, and they they but they've mostly been very very good for yeah. the business, and we've 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 um, enjoyed the performance. So that's what that is. That is the performance aspect of our industry, yeah, uh, which I think's uh, a good thing. Um, and and then you kind of look at, um, and then it's back just you know nine o'clock, open the shop door the next day. Here's an honest question. Like, how do you deal with the ego that can come from this? Because as as someone who... Like, I, I, I would honestly say to you, my wife will tell you differently, maybe. <laughs> I, w- I would honestly say to you, if you were to ask um, my friends in the industry, I don't, don't do ego. Yeah? Just don't. It's, cause just, I- just never have and never will. I mean... I, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's kind of interesting when, you know, you've got sort of, I don't know, Samuel L. Jackson and um, whoever else is at the show, Paul Weller, I mean, all coming backstage at the same time. And yeah, you could be, and they're all saying, well, you know, nice things, otherwise I wouldn't be backstage. Um, And, and you could, but, 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 but I've also learned just from being in the shop, that 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 I met I meet the most amazing people through the years. So so one of one of my one of my favourite stories is um, when I first started uh, at Favourbrook is that Paul McCartney came in and said I'm looking for a. He was over in the corner. I went up to say hello and I didn't recognise who it was from the back. And he turned around and I was like, oh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. It's Macca. And and he said to me, listen, I, I'm looking for a I'm looking for a um 
Linda used, his wife used to shop with us and he said, I'm looking for a waistcoat for my daughter. And um, we found one that was bright yellow with Stella. Ecclesi- ecclesiastical things okay. on it. And yeah, it was Stella's 21st birthday present or something. I don't know. I mean, it was totally amazing. <laughs> I was just like, ding. There you go. I, I was probably only 23, 24 at 20, the time. See, that's the thing. It's like you, you get all of this unbelievable success. And, and and I just say that for myself in the sense that, you know, the highs are high and the lows are low. And, but but and they, you get to- va- they, 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 they totally are. And there are many, many times that I wish I was just the guy back on the shop floor. Yeah. Totally. Because with the rest of that's why I, that's why I go back to my original comment of I love the shop floor. Yeah. And I love the, the factory floor. Those are the two best places. That's where all the theatrics are to me. The making and 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 then the, the, the final presenting the final product yeah. to the to the consumer. It, it's just I mean, it is such a buzz selling something. I think people have um I think a lot of youngsters have lost, uh, that, that, that they've kind of missed that bit. They've kind of, it, it's become, in some ways, it seemed to be bad to work on a shop floor. I would agree with you. I think a lot of people view like being a merchant or something like that as maybe beneath them. Well, I love the fact that you've used that word merchant because you've upgraded it straight away. Well, a merchant is, it's, yeah, it's one of the highest levels. We don't use, we don't use that word in the UK. Oh, well, yeah, shop boy, yeah, or shopkeeper, shopkeeper. Okay, no, no, not shop boy, but <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, but 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 um, no, you got the shop manager and then right. you've got the salespeople, um, but it, it it's it's um, it's it's something that's difficult in the digital age. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, I'm fully lined up with what's going on digitally, not because I necessarily want to, but because but because I know that I have to employ the right people to do the right job. Yeah, in that respect, and it is part of the evolution of a brand in this age. I think that's uh, I think that's totally a, um, a totally an important thing. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, because it, I think it is some of the highest service that you can do, especially when, at least for me, as a, you know, I've done tons of retail in my life, and that's all the best things that have happened to me have never, ever been because of money. I don't have it. Because of an education, I don't have it. It's been because of the people and the human connections that I've made. I mean, hence <laughs> hence this podcast, right? It's just, it's, it, it is the... Yeah, well, so yeah. I'm, very, I'm very envious of you and your podcast because uh, you get to meet, listen, you get to talk to and meet lots of interesting folks well i'll let you know when the stones are here yeah let me know let me let let, let me know when charlie let me know when charlie comes in for an interview he's i mean charlie i mean they're all really uh they're all really i mean they're they're amazing characters that are still out there um god bless them oh yeah and i mean i i I um so there's there's on the music front there's only one person that I never saw live which is one of my big big regrets uh regrets um David Bowie oh. I never saw Bowie live and it's one of those things I um I spent uh, uh one of my big heroes is David Byrne one of your yeah natives yeah here and um 
You can see him riding his bike up and down the street sometimes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's so I've I've been lucky enough to have dinner with him. Oh, I had dinner geez. dinner with him and Brian Eno, what? which was quite an evening out. Um, it what was sort a, of noise were made at the table? Well, well. well. <laughs> You feel very intimidated. You wonder whether to open your mouth at all. Yeah. We, we were at, uh, on the South Bank in London where David was creating the f- festival there, and uh, I went to watch it with Brian and uh, a friend of mine uh, who's good friends with Brian, and we went out for dinner afterwards. But but um, other than continuously name-dropping, I'll give you a reason why I mentioned David No, Byrne, no it's fine. Um, was because I went to see... Did you go and see the last show? No. Oh, dear. <laughs> That's, di- that's disappointing. <laughs> um, you have to have to go and see that. that well, I don't know when, when it'll spark it up again, but stop making sense was one thing. Yes, yes, uh, true, I've seen that. That that took it to another level. Yeah. Um, but then he came back with this the new concept, and I went twice. And I I don't I, I mean t- I, I went twice on the same tour as such. Oh wow! Which was. Which was, I mean, I've been to see other people twice a lot, um, but it was just phenomenal. And um, he brings art, dance, music, choreography. Um, yeah, that was a great show. So that's true performance, art, and music at right. the same time, which I just, I just think is only certain people really get that right. David Bowie always got that right. He did. Um, uh, and then you know other other things were. Um, I mean, I, I will always always go and listen to Radiohead, um, okay, because they're just in my DNA. Tom York's Desert Island Discs is one of the greatest interviews I've ever heard. Yeah, uh, specifically of Tom York. So yeah. I've never heard that. So I'm gonna go. You gotta go back and listen to that. Yeah, I, someone yeah. recently explained what Desert Island Discs was to me as. Oh, you yeah. I'd never heard of it. But you you need to go back a bit. Oh yeah. yeah, and so and that's actually it's been like so a little personal I'll, I'll project. Go and, I'll go and listen to the Tom York one. I've never I've never heard that. So I I mean they're good and and from um, I, I want to I mean it's really debatable in English music who was the most influential. But you know people go Beatles, people go Stones. Nah, neither of them. Okay, I'm in for the hot take. Let's yeah. re- let's hear it. So yeah, I mean it's 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 fairly well known, but I I would go Roger Waters and David Gilmour and Pink Floyd every day of the week. They to me, that sound influenced more like, genres of music, like Dark Side of the Moon specifically, oh, or I just mean, dark. No, 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 I mean yes, that's a great album, um, but but. But really, whatever they touched for a certain moment in time, and actually, they've been arguing for so many years that yeah. it's probably made the music. I mean, it's it's similar to Fleetwood Mac writing rumors. I mean, they oh, were all heavens. killing each other. Yeah, but it was the best album ever, right? Yeah. So, so from angst, really creative stuff comes. That's a really interesting mindset when you think about the emotion and how that affects a creative. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. the the stressful emotions, like what yeah. you know, when your back is up against the wall, when things aren't going your way, and how that affects the the artist's final output is is really fascinating. And you could argue that some of the best works of art in history have been created yeah. under. So I, I would say, stress. if it's going really easy for you, it's probably going to be total rubbish. <laughs> 
If you, yeah. if you, no, I, if, I agree. Actually, and, and a common I actually use in the office a lot, which pisses everyone off because I recite <laughs> it the whole time, is that um, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, yeah. You're I mean, right. it's totally true, and 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 actually, you need however stressful it is. True creativity has got to come from somewhere, from some inner part of you, mm. um, and. I, I'm, I don't regard creativity as being, as writing your name on the front of a garment, <laughs> okay? Controversially, sure. I don't do that. Oh, yeah, I don't think I've seen anything I from you. I don't do that. And um, I, I, um, the, that's for other people to do. Okay. Um, it's never, never a road that I would go down. Um there's a bit of vanity inside that too, as well. There's vanity inside it. That there's 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 many other things. There's there's true. Um, I think uh, I don't know. I, I, when when you talk about people that are true great creators, um, people that really um, work hard to put something into our lives that becomes part of our DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's it never comes from slapping your name on something. It's got to be it's got to be thoroughly well thought out um, and well executed piece of creativity. Yeah, and it's um, it's always emotional too. That's that's why I will always go back to a uh, de Gasson, a Yoji, a Dries, yeah, a Patagonia. Um, brand wise, yeah. Um, um, I, you know, my favorite architect is probably Jeffrey Bauer, okay. Um, who's Sri Lankan? Would have pegged you for a REM guy, yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm uh, obviously I like Bauhaus, it's been yeah. part of what my DNA for, for years, but I, but I, but I, but I also find the, the too brutalist approach. I like to have some. Um, a bit of love in there too. Yeah. And um, if you're talking archi- uh, um, architectural terms, uh, I like the ones that are more sculpture-based now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm very into uh, a guy called Wolfgang Buttress, um, who does very interesting stuff at the moment. Conrad Shawcross, um, as well. They're, they're English guys, but they're doing. They're, they're just really on top of their game. Um, Wolfgang, in particular, has taken um, the concept of using bees as electricity to power his installations. And wow, yeah. okay. So there's, there's, there's. He's a very. Uh, it's very interesting the work he's doing, and I, actually being able to meet people like that on the shop floor again. I mean, that definitely has got to spark your creativity because oh. I think the things that people, a lot of people will have creativity, but then it's, I think the the horrible thing that keeps people from really producing their art is when they hit the wall the first time. And so, you know, it sounds like to me that so many people came alongside you indirectly or directly and that encouragement and that validation gave you that that sort of gas you need to keep going. Yeah, I, I also think that there's been a massive change in culture over the last five years where people have started, this has been very helpful for my brand, people have started dressing down to go out to work. Ah, uh, okay. 
it's it's that's yeah. as simple as that in yeah. one way. So I really saw one of my roles as being to dress pe- to dress, especially. I mean, I was really aiming at creatives as well, but but it could be somebody that was, um, you know, a uh, an entrepreneur who was running a, um, uh, I don't know, for want of a better word, a, um, a, a, a medical company that was in 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 inventing a new vaccine. Sure. It could be dressing him, yeah. and he has a creative mind towards lots of things. It could be just music people. Movie people and and um, uh, folks in advertising as well, right? Um, but I just think the way in which we're dressing to go to work has massively changed. Um, we're all starting to dress up um, to go out, yeah. Which um, I've got to sort of slightly thank Gucci for, because really? well, yeah. I mean, sure, they they Gucci and Tom Ford really bought bought. In, in many ways. I mean, I've had this business in England, Favourite just doing all this wonderful velvet, but it goes up and down like this. And mm. within the last three or four years, um, certainly Gucci has just suddenly come in. You know, we've, we've been going through this period of, of, of uh, tech sportswear. It's yeah. Been dominating fashion. Yeah. Um, well, um, I hope you've all really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> to, to me, I could just draw a line straight through it. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad. And Gucci's come out there and, and and said, look, it's okay to be a dandy again. It's okay to dress up again. You're right. Yeah. This is good. Um, There's I, a lot more glamour within men's yeah, fashion now. Yeah. I want, I, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I want people back into some real shoes as well. Um, that may or may not happen. Um, you mean like not wearing like, Trainers, right? Like wearing I mean, like, like this. Uh, look, look, well, look, what are we wearing? We're wearing. What are we in? Yeah, look at the loafer boys. Okay, we're in loafers, um, <laughs> and and essentially we're wearing done up slippers. Yes. and they're comfortable and they're lovely to wear. Now, the problem I, I feel, and I, I'm I'm the great mates with a guy called Tim Little that owns a company called Grenson, and yeah. Tim and I talk about this a lot. And I I and I say to him, Tim, what are you going to do with the next generation? Yeah. These guys are used to wearing soft-fitting, like, um, you know, l- sort of shoes for softies. <laughs> what, what, what's going to happen when everybody starts wearing Goodyear Wells again? Yeah. Nobody's going to be able to cope with it. The, ph- the pharmacies are going to be packed out with people buying Band-Aids. <laughs> I mean, it, it's going to be, it's going to be, a yeah, it's going to be a sore time for a lot of people. Yeah. But... Um, these things always chop and change and they evolve. I, I'm kind of very curiously watching the sneaker trend right now, which I'm really enjoying this bit. It's, it's crossing over into a, more of an outdoor shoe. Yes. And I'm like a lo- hiking. I'm, I'm loving it. Really? I'm loving it. That bit I'm loving because that's that's a proper utilitarian shoe. It's, it's there. That's true. It's there. It does a job. Um mm. And it's a it's 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 a great thing. I mean, I love Salomon do amazing ones. Um, so there's 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 quite a few French brands that are very good for that. Yeah. Um, but 
but yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting out there for menswear at the moment. I agree. There's there's some good friends of mine who who run a, a podcast like mine. But imagine I'm Howard Stern, and all we talked about were inappropriate things. Right. And but they're great. They they have this podcast, and one of the things they always talk about is the the post sneaker world. And they, because they're like, look, sneakers are, it's, no, it's about over. It's like everyone's getting ready to come back. It's, it's loafers. They're, they say hard bottom shoes, which are basically like, you know, your leather sold shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're like, it's going to be hard bottoms. They're like, it's over. And I think it is interesting to see because even people like my younger brother, who's, you know, in his early mid 20s, he's like, yeah, I think I kind of want some more. And he was like, more like some adult shoes. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like adult? And I'm like, oh, he means like actual shoes, like like Goodyear welted, like a Cordovan loafer. So, so or something. I, I mean, so so my fifteen year old son came up to me. We came came back from school and said, "Dad, um, I think I'm ready uh, for some shoes." And I found this brand that I really love. And I was like, "Oh wow, okay." So <laughs> what do we got here? What's he going to tell me about now? Is he going to tell me something I don't know? What's sure. going to happen? Um, and I said. You know, uh, what do you what what do you want? Well, Dad, there's this there's this brand in Mayfair called Cleverly. Duh. I'm like, uh, I looked at him. I'm like, uh, I mean, Cleverly, Con- Conrad. Do you want to show me what you like at Cleverly? Yeah, yeah Dad, I love these and I love those. And, wow, and, he's got good and taste. He's all over it. <laughs> so the next thing I know is, and I know George Glasgow, senior and junior, for yeah. a while. And uh, the next thing I know is that Conrad's got me in, got me. Got himself visiting Georgia Senior. Oh boy! And um, that that was just such an experience for him. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, and George Senior is just fantastic. Junior is a handful as well. Yeah. Um, but Senior is. Uh, he just became a father. Yes. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I love them for being them. Mm. Their characters. They certainly are, and that's what that's what they need I, a TV I, show. That's what I love in this industry. Yeah, is is the uh, is is the characters and the people that you uh, meet. Yeah, but anyway, my son had devised this plan for George, and he said, "So basically, George, I've worked out that in four years' time, I can afford to buy a pair of your shoes if I pay you ten pounds a week for the next da da da." Okay. George, yeah, George was like, "Ah, okay." Well, fine. When, here's my bank account details. You can start paying some, sort of like this. And I was like, I was like, ah, okay, George, Conrad, <laughs> tell him the rest. Thing is, George, I want to walk out with the shoes today. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And I saw George sort of sitting back in his chair. He wasn't ready for this one. <laughs> it was brilliant. Anyway. I think George sorted him out with something, and uh, it was it was it was one of brilliant experience for for my son. But the fact is that um, um, where I'm going with this story is that actually just 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 because we're all on the internet, yeah, okay, doesn't mean to say we only look at trainers and sportswear. Yeah, you know, uh, and and I mean, I know we don't, but I'm talking about the youth here. I'm talking about the 15 year olds and the the, the Pre twenties who yeah. are out there looking, they've 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 actually they're actually coming through with a different taste level right now, and this is something that's really good. I agree. Uh, starting to look at things and appreciate things in a different uh, way. Like, so he will listen to Tyler the Creator, okay, um, but he'll also be listening to Willie Nelson. Oh, well, Got see, you. This, I really thank things like Spotify for this because well, yeah. 
it is, you know, and I, I'm so grateful for the fact that in a good way and also in some, you can criticize it too, but they made it very easy to go through and discover everything. To, to where discover a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. like the, the genres are open of music to them, which is exactly. just amazing. People are discovering Dark Side of the Moon the same time they're discovering Frank Sinatra and, yes, like Tyler, the Creator. Yeah. And those are three yeah. total different worlds. Yeah, the, yeah, the, pe- the free people on the game. Yeah. And that's wonderful. Yeah. So, so, so the thing, the thing is, I took the kids out uh, west in the summer, and I took them out to Cody. Okay. Um, um, which I was kind of, um, um, I mean, a chance to go to Yellowstone is an amazing thing, right? Yeah. And um, so we went out there, and uh, well, honestly, we had the time of our lives. Uh, it's I've beautiful. Never, I've never seen a place like it. Um, but we also met some amazing people out there. Okay. I mean, just beyond characters. Yep. Yeah. I met a rancher who was um, 21 years old, a wrangler who was 21 years old, um, and who was uh, super lovely. I said, so what, he was about to go back to college or something. I said, so where are you at? He said, well, I'm at local university. I said, well, what are you doing? Well, I've got a scholarship for... Um, uh, bull riding, and nice. I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, <laughs> that's 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 right up there with it. But but what struck me about the people over there was with a, their manners are impeccable. Mm-hmm. B, they are um, so into the environment, mm-hmm. um, and C, they are um, they're very well dressed. Well, there's a lot of extremely traditional uh in a good way some of the mindsets there respect for your elders you know wearing a certain type of clothing on sundays because of you know church or you know visiting your your grandparents and stuff i mean that's some of the stuff that i came from because i'm i'm from the midwest where i thought it was very i thought it was really i i what i walked away from from there was that their culture is very very deep Mm. rooted and and big married to a New Yorker and seeing and that side of America was so interesting to yeah. me. Um, uh, politically, I'm not sure, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 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 I was I was really impressed by that. And from all of that, my kids just got massively into country and western music. Oh, yeah. yeah get them into Johnny Cash. Yeah, and... they love it all now. And they yeah. listen to it the whole time. And um, it's um, it's addictive music, you know. It sits in your head and you just keep on, just keeps on coming. You hear Dolly Parton songs and, and also yeah, my how... Wife, my wife's always loved them. Yeah, and how some of those songs were written in a night. When, I mean, when you, right. there's people, even people like Paul McCartney have talked about how songwriters like Dolly Parton and stuff, they've compared her to people like Mozart down the road. Yep. Is just, yep. So much songwriting. So prolific. Yeah. And also and such quality through, you know, like to go back to what we were talking about through angst and emotional like trauma and hardship and the stuff that she experienced. Yeah. I mean, the Porter yeah. Wagner thing that she had that letter to write, I will always love you. I mean, yeah. good Lord. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, wild. Yeah, it's totally, it's totally. Well, we'll go back to our theory of people that are going through turbulent times. Sure. Create, create the best creative stuff. Yeah. And that's, really that's, that's, that's totally true. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ollie, it was a pleasure. Thank you, it's Ollie. Good. Thank you so much. It was good talking. My pleasure. Right. Thank you. 
You've been listening to Blamo. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, editing by Brendan Finn, and we're produced by Blamo Media. Follow along with us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast and leave a review for us on your favorite podcast app. If you want even more Blamo, head over to patreon.com forward slash Blamo to join the Blam fam and get access to additional interviews, a community slack, special events, and more. Best of all, you're supporting the show. Try it. It feels very good. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.